0: right well good morning and if you would open up your Bibles to the book of John and then also to the book of Genesis and so in John if you would turn to the third chapter and in Genesis if you would turn to chapter 1 And so this is the third week of our series starting over, uh, having a fresh start, and this is the time of year where a lot of people take advantage of it and they make a fresh start. And so I thought I'd take advantage of that and preach a sermon series on that, and uh, what I find interesting is, I don't know if you realize this, but not only is today Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, but earlier this week on the 17th is National Quit Your New Year's Resolution Day. And I didn't know that existed, but January 17th is a day that 70% of the people who made New Year's resolutions have already given up on it, all right? And so they're going to wait until next December, and they're going to start all over again. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Why? Because if you'll open up your bulletin, and you'll see that there's a, a Bible verse that I keep talking about, and it's Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, And it says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every, I keep doing this every morning, not every year. See, we don't have to wait until January to get new mercies from our God uh, in heaven. We don't have to wait until a new month happens for this. I mean, sometimes we do for our bank account, but we don't have to for our heavenly father. And so what he says is his mercies are new every Morning, and so we have the ability to um, to take him up on these mercies and seek him, and so that's what I would encourage us is um, to use this time of year to think about making a fresh start. And the way that we do this is we do this by making small changes. We don't have to make major, giant changes in the first week. um, I asked you to to make one small change, and that was to love like Jesus. Maybe that wasn't such a small change. Um, The last week. Um, I asked you to um, use a new language, the way that we talk to each other, the way that we talk to ourselves. And this week, what I'd like to do is challenge you to change your life by changing the identity that you embrace. And so um, I thought that that was fitting, that this is Sanctity of Life Sunday, that we talk about life. You know, we need to recognize the value of our own lives because a lot of us don't, especially in our culture, we are sometimes lose the value of a life why because we don't value our own and when we don't value our own guess what happens we don't value the lives of those around us and so um, that's one thing that we need to do and the second thing we need to do is to know who we are how do we know who we are well we need to find out where we came from because that is a big question You know, Linda brought up a worldview. It's more than a worldview, right? Why? Because it encompasses everything about us. And so that's what I want to talk to you today is about the sanctity of life. And, you know, if you go and look at the word sanctity and it comes from the Latin sanctus, what does that mean? Well, it means sacred or holy. It means to set apart. And what's interesting is, have you ever thought about um, the Jewish people in the Bible and how they became Jewish? How they became the chosen one? Did you know that Abraham was a pagan? And God, see, th- there wasn't anything special about Abraham. He was just another guy. And he was a pagan and God chose him. Why? Th- there was no particular reason why he chose him. He chose Abraham to be the line that he would send his son to redeem the world. And so just like that, we do this all the time where we sanctify stuff. Now, when I use the word sanctify, we start getting church on us. And we start thinking of, you know, you know God is sanctified. Why? He's holy. He's, he's very different than anything else. I mean, the creator of the universe. But then when we start using the word sanctify, we start thinking of of God's holiness and really just a definition means to set apart. You know, so I may take this, this stand here, and, and I hope they, they find it later on, and I'm just going to, you know, sanctify. I'm setting it apart right over here. This, this, this stand here is special. It, it holds two microphones. I mean, uh, th- there's a lot of things that I love about this stand, and so, you know, I don't want anyone to harm it, and so I'm just going to keep it protected. Well, I've sanctified it. I've set it apart. You know, we do that with some of our family members. There's some children, maybe especially if it's the only child, you know, um, you treat the only child differently than if you, you had 10 children. Now, I've heard some of the stories in, uh, of some of the folks in this room that grew up in homes with almost 10 children. And, and so it's, it's a different environment. Why? Because when there's only one, I mean, you, 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 why? we don't want to lose that resource, that life. Well, God did this. With the children of Israel. He picked Abraham. And he said. I choose you to be. The solution to the problem. I am going to bring through your lineage. The savior of the world. And what was interesting was. When he said this to Abraham. Abraham was up there. He's an older guy. His wife. Same thing. And did God. Find himself to be faithful. Yes he did. Did Abraham sometimes try to help, him, help God out? He sure did. And you know what? I found uh, that sometimes I can be guilty of trying to help God out as well. If you would, join me in uh, praying. Lord, thank you for today. Help us to stay focused on uh, life. God, you are the creator of life. And this you are the reason why we value life. And I just ask God that you would help us to see and understand life from your point of view. In Jesus' name, amen. If you got your Bible open to John chapter 3, I'm going to read the, the first seven verses. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees and his name Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. God answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, I want you to understand this. Nicodemus is not being facetious. He's not trying to test Jesus. He's not trying to challenge Jesus. Because if you you read at the very beginning, he said, we know that you're from God. Why? Because of the signs that you've done, the miracles that you've already performed. And when Jesus told Nicodemus that a man must be born again, Nicodemus saying, if anybody could do that, Jesus could do that. And so Jesus explains to him, there's more to it. And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Let me ask you this. If you could do it all over again, is there a certain time in your life that you would go back to and start over? If you could get that fresh start, you know, I mean, some of you, now Don't, don't, please, please do not elbow anybody, but some of you might have, meet somebody else, you know, if you could go back, 80 years or 50 years or 20 years, some of you two years, all right? Um, maybe there was a decision you made in high school or, or one Friday night while you were in high school that if you could just go back, your whole life would be different. Well, we can't do that. And, and it's much as what Nicodemus asked Jesus, how in the world can a man go back into his mother's womb? Um, you can't and what we're, we're not supposed to and what's interesting is when we talk about this first that God's mercies are new every day we don't have to go back and undo those messes that we made why because the mercies are new today see w- w- we probably go back and make that same mistake it, it, Hollywood has a way of showing how you could go back in time and, and it would all be perfect um, the problem is that we're humans We're sinful humans, and we're probably going to make the same mistake. It might not be at that moment. We'll just make it an hour later, a week later, a year later, and be right back where we are today. And so what God values is, what do we do with that? Do we trust on Him? Do we lean on Him? Or do we try to fix it ourselves like Abraham tried many times? And so the first point I would like to for you to think about this and I want to talk about the topic of um, there are different steps as Christians and and these are broad steps that we need to take but the first and most important step is that we need to get in we need to get saved you know it is wonderful to be a, a church attender but those songs that we were singing when we all get to heaven if all we are is a church attender we won't be singing that in eternity You know, it's wonderful to think about the next time we get together would be in heaven. But if we've never accepted the Lord as our Savior, we can't sing that song with any kind of confidence. And, And the three points I want to talk about when it comes to salvation is, and to understand who we are and where we come from is this, that God made me from him. And, and I asked you to turn in Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 24 through 26. And then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to his, or its kind. Cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, And everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. God saw that it was good. Then God said let us make man in our image. According to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Over the birds of the air. Over the cattle. Over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You see what's interesting here. And I don't know if you caught this. But there's a difference between God creating something. And God making something. And so what you, if if you go back in, um, I think it's in verse 11 and verse 24, God said, let there be light or let the, um, uh, there be the firmament. And then in the verse that we started with in verse 25, it says, let the earth bring forth. And so where did the the, the plants come from? You know, God didn't say, let there be trees and then poof, there were trees. What he said was, let the earth bring forth bring forth the trees and the grass and, and, and how that looked, I don't know, but, um, I believe that that's exactly how it happened. And then the next day, God said, and now let the earth bring forth the, um, different animals, the creatures, the beasts. And guess what? They, that happened. And what we need to think about is, and what I would ask you to think about is this, is that where, when something is made, see, created is from Nothing when it's made it's with something so I I don't know but I have heard some people say talk about how they created something the truth is that if we're going to be theologically correct we can't create something we can make stuff you know so for example those of you that are good with wood I mean you can go into the wood shop and um, but you got to bring wood with you all right and you take what was there and you carve it down and you make it into something nice See, you've got to have something to start with. See, God didn't. He just said, let it be there, and it happened. And then what's interesting is when he created the plants, when he created the animals, he let them come forth from the earth. And why did he do that? Why? Because what they came from, they would be sustained by. So um, not only is it, would they be sustained by it, but guess what happens? When they're done, when they die, guess what they go back to? That substance. All right, And so when an animal dies, if the buzzers don't get it, it's going to decompose. And as it decomposes, it becomes dirt. It becomes fertilizer. And so what happens is, what about us? Well, now our body, the, he says that he took, took uh, the, the dirt and he, formed, he mashed it together and he created what you see. You know, the head, the neck, the the torso, our arms, and our legs. But in verse 27, so God created man in his image. And in the image God created, he created him. Male and female, he created them. How, so when he created, what happened was there's a difference between our bodies and our spirit. And the way that he created it was he actually breathed in to this mass of dirt that he had formed the body out of and that's where man became a living thing that is what we celebrate today in sanctity of human life we celebrate that spirit and so what's interesting is if if you know anything about genesis i don't know how long but at some point they sinned and when and and what did jesus tell adam about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil he said, as soon as you, the day that you eat that, you will surely die. And what a lot of us would ask, well, why didn't they die? Well, they did, but it was their spirit. And so, and that's what Jesus told Nicodemus. He said, a man must be born again. And Nicodemus says, how can you do this? How can a man go back into his, mu- I mean, this, come on. And Jesus said, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, there's a water birth and there is a spiritual birth. And if we have never experienced that spiritual birth, we'll never be able to sing the songs that we sang this morning. We'll never get to experience eternal life with our savior. We'll never get to experience eternal life with our creator. You know, what's interesting is, not only did God make us from him, but he made us like him. See, I, I, I appreciate, you know, the folks out there that care about the eagles, all right? And not too far away from here, you know, you, we got a lot of um, American bald eagles and their eggs. You, you break an American bald eagle egg and you're in trouble. You, you, I, I, they might give you the death penalty, all right? It, it could be that bad. I saw a TV show. I don't know if you ever heard of this TV show, but I think it's called Whale Wars, there are people who, like, give up months out of their year to get on a boat and go and try to save whales. Now, folks, I, I like whales. I think they're cute. I, th- You know, I think they'd be interesting. I've seen pictures of people in Alaska, and they're in a little boat in this big, giant whale. Con- I mean, I-, I like that. All right? Um, but not to the point where I would quit my job and go and work on a ship trying to save them three, four months out of a year. You see, we're a little different than the animals because we have the spirit. We have, that's what makes us like God. That's what's going to live for eternity. And it's either gonna live for eternity with God or it's gonna live for eternity separated from God. And that separation is a place that we, you've heard of called hell. So if God made us for him, and God made us like him, the last thing I would like you to think about on this is that God made us to love him. Now, when you hear me say that God made us to love him, it might be easy to say, wait a second, that's not fair that he expects us to just love him and do everything for him. I mean, because what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with your mind, body, and strength see what we fail see we're thinking about it like humans when if you could just get a little closer and think about it the way God thinks about love here it is God loved us first and because God loved us first and we are made like God it is it is every one of our desires to love like God It's frustrating when we don't. Why? Because that's the way God's wired us. That's the way God's made us. And when we have become alive spiritually through salvation, we have this desire to be like him even more so. That's that sanctification process that we're doing. And instead, um, we find ourselves not being able to love like God. But here's how simple it is. The Bible tells us, draw nigh to God. And what will he do? He'll run the other way, won't he? No, I know it may seem like that sometimes when you're praying and, and the wheels come off of the car and, and the job isn't where you want it and the relationships in your your uh, life aren't are what you expect and you're calling out to God and it doesn't seem like he's there, but folks, the Bible that I read says draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to me. How do we draw nigh to God? Well, we draw nigh to God in our worship. We draw nigh with what we're doing right here. And, and I, ju- I just want to be very blunt with you. If you come to church and you leave, and you're like, well, I, I didn't experience God. I'm going to be a little selfish. And I'm going to tell you that it's probably not Pastor Ronnie. I know that it wasn't Pastor Gary on the piano. I know that it wasn't our worship singers. I know that it wasn't the people sitting beside you or in front of you or behind you. I promise you that if you come to church and you walk out wondering, was God here today? He was. But you have to draw nigh to him. You have to, because the promise is, if you draw nigh, he'll draw nigh back to us. But when we don't, all right? When we don't draw nigh to God in our worship, when we just come in and we just let the words come out of our mouth and it doesn't come out of our heart, we won't experience. We'll struggle with what he really called us to, and that is to love. And like 1 John says, we love. Why? Because he first loved us. God loved us first, and that's what he's created us to do, is to love like he loves He's created us to be able to love our neighbors. Folks, we would change Centralia if we learned how to love like Jesus. If we would practically, if we would actually do it. See, I believe all of us want to. But sometimes when that car in front of us does what they do, we don't want to anymore. And we wish we didn't have the bumper sticker that says, I go to Temple Baptist Church. Why? Because we're not feeling like Jesus at that moment. Why? We're not drawing nigh to God. Because there's some of us that when that bad thing happens in life, the first thing that we do is go to God. And another way that we can draw nigh to God is draw nigh to God in prayer. Because I said this before, we serve a God that hears our prayers. And and, and the Bible that I read, the Bible that I believe says this, that if he hears our prayers, what does he do? He'll answer. The problem is that he he doesn't hear the prayers you don't pray. Or he doesn't hear the prayers that you pray without faith. Because it's easy for us to just throw words out and expect God to respond when he has given us the opportunity. He's given us the resource of the almighty creator to to respond and and be there on our behalf. The problem is that all of a sudden we think that this is a lottery ticket and we just wait until the right time and if we'll scratch it off, he'll he'll come and, and solve all our problems. But you know what? God is not only faithful, but he's a just God. And what he allows us to do is to live through the situations we put ourselves in. And what's interesting, while we lived down in Biloxi, Mississippi, um, our church, a group of men had gone to a weekend um, men's conference. And while we were there, um, they told us that there's this hurricane coming onto the Gulf Coast. Hurricane Katrina. I don't know. Have you guys heard of that storm? A couple years ago. And so um, it was interesting. And they, they told us, they said, if you live east of Mobile, because that's where this storm or, or the, the conference was. It was a Promise Keepers event. They said, if you live east of Mobile, you need to go home because, and get, get your, your house ready. And so all of us lived east of Mobile. And so there's 20 of us from our church. We went out to the parking lot and we, we got on our knees and we prayed. And this is what we pray. We say, God, we want you to show your power and move this storm to Texas. I know that probably wasn't the right way to pray that prayer, but we were asking God, we were believing God that he would demonstrate his power in this storm. And what I found out is God answers our prayers, but sometimes he answers it not the way we expected it to be answered. And so here's what happened. That storm made a direct hit, direct hit on the the Mississippi Gulf Coast, right where we lived. And there was a couple of times where I wondered, God, did you not hear our prayer, that you would move that storm to Texas? Texas is big. They can handle it. Mississippi, not so much. And so all of a sudden, I find myself, I'm driving down the road one day, and I've got a trailer full of goods because our church became a distribution center. And we had hundreds of volunteers staying at our church 24 hours a day and millions of pounds of goods being brought to our church to distribute to the community. And one day I'm driving down the road, I've got a trailer on the back of my vehicle, it's loaded with goods that were given out to the community and I stop at this red light and and I had my window down and there was a guy that pulled up right beside me, he said, hey, can I have some of that? because he knew we were giving it away i said you can have all that you want you just got to go down to the church and then the light turned green and it was interesting he says do you mean bay vista i didn't say go down to bay vista and just so you know on that road that i was on there was over 100 churches i said go to the church why did they know that i was talking about bay vista because God had taken that storm and he had demonstrated his power through 20 men who got on their knees and said, God, show yourself strong. The problem was that the way we saw him showing himself strong was like taking that storm and moving it. The way God saw that he would show himself strong was to let that destroy the coast and allow our church to be a lighthouse, to be, when someone said, go to the church, that they would immediately think of, where we were at why because we were the hands and feet of jesus and so you can draw nigh to god through prayer and when you do that you'll find out that you can live out the commission that we have and that is to love you know at the very beginning i asked you all if you had the chance to do a do-over would you And most of us, rightly so, said, nope, I wouldn't do it. Why? Because we know we would probably just mess it up one more time. Not only that, but we know that, you know what, this isn't Hollywood, this isn't a TV show, and I can't make that happen. And you've probably never seen anyone in your lifetime that got to go back in time. I know, you know, there's some fancy stuff out in Area 51 that they're working on, but I don't believe that there's a time machine that, that they, they can go back and help us fix our problems. But what I find interesting, if you'll turn in to Revelation chapter 21, that God, the creator of the earth, the one that I read about in Genesis chapter 1, is going to do a do-over. Revelation 21, I'm going to read the first uh, couple verses. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Let me just explain something. When the first earth passed away, everything that God had created because of that, that, that the, what was formed by that, had passed away. And so now, he has His new earth created, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. And I don't know if you've read about this, but there's this city called New Jerusalem, and it's a, square, it's a cube. It's a mile cube. This is where um, God creates this. And in eternity, we are going to be able to live in this new city. And it was coming down from heaven and prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man see that's what God wanted all along when he created Adam and then he created Eve out of Adam his desire was to have communion and to dwell and so what would he do he would come down and he would walk with them and talk about in the evening and in the morning and see. When we think about sin, we, we don't even look at it at its infancy. And the infancy of sin is that it separates us from God. So that he can't come down. And he can't dwell among us. And so then he chose a people, the Israelites. And he created, had them build this temple. And, and, and he created this inner sanctum called the Holy of Holies. He says, that's where I'll dwell. So anytime somebody saw that, they would know That the God, the creator of the world, that's where he dwelled. Wherever that was. And then one day, his son, who had come to the earth, had lived a perfect life. Was crucified on a cross. And as he died, it says that the veil was rent from top to bottom. Why? So that anybody could go in now. Because there was no more need for that inner sanctum, that holy of holies. Because now God, through the, what, what Jesus Christ did on the cross, had the ability to dwell with us in our hearts. To quicken our spirits. To bring them back to life. And the last thing, it says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. That's God's desire. God's desire is that we are his people and he is our God. See, he says it over and over again. He says it in Philippians when he says, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. He says, ask whatever you will. If I hear, I'll answer. How can you not love God when that is what he offers us? But yet, we'll walk outside these doors. And maybe even before you lay your head down tonight, you'll hear someone curse God. You'll hear someone want to take the very thing that he values most and that is life. They'll want to take it in the form of abortion. They'll want to take it in the form of murder. They'll want to take it with the best of intentions and call it a fancy name like euthanasia. Folks, see, God values life does it matter at what age. Is it at conception or is it at the very last breath that we take? God values it just the same. You know, one of the things I struggled with when I came into the military was a thing called situational ethics. They would sit us down, you know, we're in basic training and they, they would put 10 of us in a group and they'd say, okay, you're in a lifeboat. The lifeboat only has enough rations or four people one of you is a doctor one and then they give this scenario and they're like who are you throwing overboard as a Christian who did I want to throw overboard nobody but see our culture has programmed us to be willing to throw people overboard And what we, the way that we live with ourselves is we say, well, that's their decision. That's their body. They can do that. Or we say, you know what? They're really being a drain on society. They don't even want to be here. Let's help them. Well, I don't, I don't know if you know this about us as human beings, but we desire to be alive. We desire that. Now, I'm sure that maybe we've all had one of those days where we wish we were in heaven. But the reality is that God has made us so that we, for lack of a better term, crave life. If you've been with someone on their deathbed, the hardest thing, the hardest thing for them to to say is, I'm ready to die. Because the DNA that God infused into us in every one of our cells wants us to live. Because see, God values life, no matter where it is on the spectrum. He values life if they're here at Temple Baptist Church today or if they've never come to a church their entire life he values life if they try to live like him and love like him and he values the life that doesn't that takes lives see it was Jesus on the cross next to a murderer who had offered him salvation how can we Be Christ-like and not do the same thing. I mean, I understand culturally why people struggle with that. But as Christians, with the DNA of Christ in us, how can we not value life? Now, I started off and I told you about this fancy word called sanctification. And I hope I showed you that really sanctification is all about setting apart. So when we say the sanctity of human life, we set human life apart from plants. I like plants. I like flowers. I like a lot of, well, if you ask Carrie, she'd tell you the first thing I want to fix at a house is cut all the bushes that are in front of the house down, all right? So maybe I don't like bush life, all right? But I value lots of life, but... I have set apart human life. Human life, I've sanctified it. Well, see, we have the opportunity as well to experience sanctification in our personal lives. And see, there's two types of sanctification that the Bible tells us about. All right, the first one is immediate. When we acknowledge what Jesus Christ did, and that is came from heaven, lived a perfect life, died on a cross To pay for our sins, and three days later was rose from the dead. When we believe that, we experience a quickening of our spirit, our life. And see, that's immediate sanctification. God has immediate just like he he picked Abraham, you are going to be who I use. I choose. And God has gone throughout this entire world. And he's looked at everybody and he says, I choose you. but we have to accept that. We have to accept the free gift that he's given to us. And what's unfortunate is that some people don't accept that free gift. And when they don't accept that free gift, it's not because God is a bad God or a mean God or as you have probably heard, how could a just God allow this to happen? That's why, because he is a just God and he said, that because of the sin that happened with Adam and that now runs through our blood and every one of us are sinners. Because of that, something had to happen. We have to pay for that sin. But the very same God that says, you'll have to pay for your sin, says, oh, I'm gonna make a way. And he did. And he picked this guy named Abraham who didn't believe in God at all set them apart, allowed the lineage to to bring forth the Savior in the form of a man. He's He's done this for us. All we have to do is say yes. See, you know, I've talked to you for the last three weeks about a fresh start. There's nothing better than that fresh start because all the other fresh starts are going to get old but when you take it take god up on his offer of a fresh start for eternal life that's exactly what the word means eternal life as a church it's our honor to play a small part in all that god is doing in and through your life and we would love to continue with you on that journey To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.